Ken Paxton ramps up efforts to push out three Republican judges. It's ludicrous that this court of appeals suddenly out of the blue after 71 years of precedent struck down this statute. And so the voters now have a decision. Why a ruling against the AG is fueling this intra-party fight and how the outcome could reshape the state's highest criminal court. A new state law is supposed to make toll road bills more transparent, but some drivers are still having problems. Our investigation looks at what's behind the financial frustration. That's kind of the, the last frontier. And self-driving 18-wheelers on the road in Texas. Why the state is the latest testing ground for AI driving technology. Produced from the Capitol in Austin and airing statewide, this is the award-winning State of Texas. Hello and thank you for joining us. I'm Josh Hinkle. We've told you how Attorney General Ken Paxton is campaigning against some Republican House members who voted to impeach him. But Paxton has an even bigger target. He's also backing challengers to three Republican judges on the state's highest criminal court. It comes after those judges ruled the Texas Constitution prevents Paxton from prosecuting voter fraud cases. Our Ryan Chandler spoke with two of the judges Paxton wants to push out and looks closer into what's at stake. Sharon Keller has led Texas's highest criminal court for 24 years. In her hands is literally life and death. If any big death penalty case or any case that's been in the news, it's probably been in our court. In her nearly three decades on the court, she's drawn a reputation as a tough-on-crime conservative, a strong supporter of the death penalty. I've always been criticized, if anything, for being too conservative. But not enough for the conservative attorney general. Ken Paxton and his wing of the party are rallying against Keller and two other Republican women on the court. It stems from an opinion back in 2021, where the court ruled 8-1 to one that the Attorney General does not have the authority to prosecute election law violations. The court found the Texas Constitution reserves that power for district attorneys. Since 1836, the Attorney General has never had the duty to initiate criminal prosecutions. It seems that our attorney general is angry at us because we were not partisan political activist judges uh, on his behalf. The conflict going national. Donald Trump Jr. wrote on Monday, Texas is under attack by activist judges like Sharon Keller, Michelle Slaughter, and Barbara Hervey, who have stripped A.G. Ken Paxton of his authority to prosecute election fraud. Texas politics are not local anymore. These are national fights, and that can be pretty influential. There are going to be a lot of people who are paying attention to this race who otherwise weren't, and that's the kind of place in politics where, as an incumbent, you're going to be pretty nervous. The incumbents say the campaign is all misinformation, hoping their conservative credentials will carry them back to the bench. That is uh, more, more misinformation. Of course, we didn't strip the AG of his authority anyway. The Constitution did it. Ryan Chandler, State of Texas. Earlier this week, we heard from Paxton himself. He spoke with Jen Phillips, anchor with KAMC in Lubbock. Paxton spoke on the record about his push to defeat the judges on the Court of Criminal Appeals. It's ludicrous that this court of appeals suddenly out of the blue after 71 years of precedent struck down this statute. And so the voters now have a decision. Do you want voter, prosecute, voter fraud prosecuted or do you not want it prosecuted? If you want the laws that are passed by the legislature followed, we're going to have to have Gina Parker, Lee Finley and David Shank elected statewide to overcome this decision. Ryan joins us now. We heard Paxton say that he thinks the court's ruling is wrong. What justification is he giving for having the power to prosecute voter fraud? 
So Paxton says the Office of the Attorney General has been able to do this for as long as it's been around, and he's partially correct. The Attorney General can prosecute uh, local criminal cases if the local district attorneys ask for their help. But per the Texas Constitution, there's a separation of powers that restricts the Attorney General from being able to initiate those criminal prosecutions unilaterally. The judges cite precedent dating back to 1859 all the way through 2020 in a dozen different cases that say the Texas Constitution specifically delineates the responsibilities of the Attorney General's office and criminal prosecution is not part of that. Yeah, and this is another important example of how Texas system of electing judges can politicize the judiciary. You mm -hmm. spoke with Chief Justice Nathan Heck about the dangers of that a couple of months ago. What did he say about that? The Chief Justice and I spoke at length about this back in December, um, and he called it a terrible system. The way Texas elects judges that can accept campaign donations and have to go out and, and campaign for the vote for an office that is ostensibly supposed to be nonpartisan and judicial, um, he said he's very concerned about that. And this is just another example of how politics and rhetoric can um, get in and, and kind of poison the, these elections that uh, really should rise above that. Um, but, you know, what, what's the saying? Democracy is the worst system of government except for all the others. Um, the, the alternative would be appointing uh, judges, but then, you know, that would be up to the governor and the Senate. Um, it, it's just the way that we've chosen to do that in Texas, and, and it's up to the voters to, to see through the noise and, and try to come to the most informed decision they can. So how could the court change if these judges are defeated? So it would, it would be replacing very conservative judges with very conservative judges. The, the jurisprudence of the court probably won't change very much, but the Attorney General's office certainly will. This would give uh, Ken Paxton a power that he very much wants but uh, does not have now. So for, for Paxton, it would be a, a big win because he says if, if these judges get in, they could uh, overturn the, the decision that took this power away from him. All right, Brian, thank you very much. A former Texas lawmaker is trying to win his way back to the Capitol. We have to make a change in District 19 for the people. How the governor is getting involved in this Texas House District battle. Self-driving 18-wheelers are already rolling on Texas highways, but are they safe? We look at new efforts to get the technology ready for the road. And a new state law is supposed to make tollway bills more transparent. Why some drivers are still facing auto pay problems and sky-high surprise bills. Republican voters across the state will be called on to resolve intra-party squabbles fueled by state leaders. One race we're watching is a House District battle unfolding in the Texas Hill Country. The two leading candidates are a freshman incumbent looking for her second term and a former lawmaker hoping to return to the Capitol. Our Will Dupree has a closer look. On the first day of early voting, Governor Greg Abbott made a big show of support for Representative Ellen Troxclair. I need you to go vote. After firing up the crowd and taking photos, the two Republicans even went to vote together. The governor is campaigning across the state for candidates who back his efforts to let families use public dollars to pay for private education. I know that I can count on Ellen uh, to support uh, not just uh, the agenda that I'm trying to work on, but most importantly, she supports the agenda of her constituents. 
Troxclair says she'd keep pushing for school choice if voters send her back to the Capitol. We have got to make sure that we, the, ta the taxpayers and leaders, are doing what is required of us to get those children to a place where they're set up to succeed in life. The race is over the sprawling House District 19, which spans west of Austin to Burnett and Fredericksburg. Troxclair is like other Republicans whose vote to impeach Attorney General Ken Paxton unearthed a primary challenger. I think the impeachment vote just took it over the top. And I said, I, I, we have to make a change. Kyle Biederman retired as a state rep two years ago and now is mounting a political comeback. I couldn't sit home and let somebody part of the Austin swamp that lives in Austin represent not only me, but my constituents. It's a duty and I really care about my constituents. Both candidates listed the border as well as water issues as some of their top priorities. And now voters must decide who's best to take those on and represent the Hill Country. Will Dupree joins us now. You found that this race in the Hill Country is also picking up on another trend we're seeing with other Republican primaries in the state, right? One name that gets mentioned a lot on the campaign trail, particularly in this race, is Dade Phelan. He's the Speaker of the Texas House of Representatives. Kyle Biederman has tied Ellen Troxclair and Dade Phelan together, saying that her previous support of him should disqualify her essentially to run and get another second term in office. What's going to be interesting is whether there's any kind of animus among Republican voters at large against Dade Phelan and how that might affect Ellen Troxclair and her bid for this second term. Something we'll have to watch and see. Now, many of these Republican House races are focusing on who's more conservative between mm. the incumbent and the challenger. How are the candidates in this race trying to differentiate themselves from one another? At that event that Ellen Troxclair had with Governor Abbott, she pointed to a number of policy successes that she says she's had in these last two years or so. I mean, again, this is her first term in office, but she said, you know, she delivered on promises on lowering property taxes, on banning gender-affirming care for transgender minors, and also preventing uh, transgender athletes from competing in college sports levels. She says there's more work to do there, and she would like to go back to the Capitol for that, of course. Uh, Kyle Biederman, on the meantime, says that he is hoping that he is going to be sent back to the Capitol for another term at the, in the legislature there. He is saying that he would uh, try to throw Dade Phelan out as House Speaker and also block any kind of Democrats from leading committees. That's another criticism that some Republican voters and other leaders across the state have brought up. We will see who emerges from this race and uh, many, many others throughout the state. Certainly a lot to watch. Thanks a lot, Will. Yeah. A new state law is supposed to make toll road bills more transparent, but our investigation found drivers are still feeling financial frustration. And later, self-driving big rigs hit the road. How one highway could bring major changes to truck traffic in Texas. Months after a new state law went into effect to make tollway billing more transparent, drivers' financial frustrations persist. Since then, data shows Textag fielded an average 8,000 calls a day from customers with inquiries and issues. In that time, around two dozen have also reached out to our team, many reporting auto pay problems and sky-high surprise toll bills. It led investigator Matt Grant to explore the law's effectiveness and the fix one lawmaker is pushing again. This is really crappy customer service. If this is how they handle a screw-up, um, I don't want any part of it. Textag is driving Brad Rule mad. I would say I probably have 20 to 30 hours into 
trying to wrestle this to the ground. This is what he's fighting, a surprise overdue bill from CTRMA, or the Central Texas Regional Mobility Authority, for $158.43. Most of that from collections, a notice he should have only received if his Textag account, the system behind his toll tag and payments, was empty or invalid. Did you ever receive any letter from Textag at all stating there's something wrong with your account? Never. Then why wasn't AutoPay working for rule? After weeks of back and forth with Textag by email, the agency told him somehow his car was removed from the account last spring and had been racking up fees and fines ever since. <laughs> I just said, well, that's ludicrous. I have no reason to have removed my car from my Textag account. I have been through the mill to get this resolved. I have made you know, phone calls, I have done emails, I have showed up in person, I paid the bill, and all of this is an error that I didn't cause. To prevent surprise bills, in September, a new law went into effect requiring Texas toll agencies immediately notify customers when there's a problem with their account. Since then, Textag says it sent out more than 127,000 notices. Still, Rule and at least two other customers who reached out to KXAN in recent months say Textag never told them there was a problem with their auto pay. It's happened to me personally. Georgetown Republican State Representative Terry Wilson says he's experienced similar problems with Textag, and so have his constituents. When you get the bulk of calls and emails that we received, it certainly sent up a red flag. House Bill 3843 tasked stopped with conducting a tow road study. Wilson is working on refiling a bill he introduced last session. It would require a study of all toll agencies in Texas to find out what's working and what isn't. We really want to take the time to, to look at this holistically, see if there's something that we can do uh, as a state to help uh, the, the tow system. Textag and TechStot declined our request for an on-camera interview and would not comment on Rule's case, saying instead in a statement, Textag has been compliant with House Bill 2170, sending credit card decline letters to Textag account holders in the event their card on file was declined. Before the new law, Textag said it sent account notifications if account holders, quote, opted into receiving communications via email or text. I'm happy and I'm really thankful that KXN stepped in. A week after we reached out to Textag about his case, Rule says he finally received a refund following months of dead ends. I felt like KXN was a good resource and uh, none of this would have, would have been resolved, even at this level, without uh, your involvement. So uh, I, I very much appreciate that. Representative Wilson asked anyone experiencing problems with Textag to reach out to his office. Democratic Representative Carol Alvarado of Houston co-sponsored the new law and tells us in a statement, quote, I am grateful for the work of KXAN's investigative reporting team on this issue. If it is the case that HB 2170 has not been effectively implemented, we will work with the appropriate agencies to address that. Adding, if necessary, additional legislation will be filed next session. Matt Grant, State of Texas. Matt mentioned text tags sent out more than 127,000 notices since the new law went into effect. By contrast, records show the North Texas Tollway Authority sent out 1.3 million notices. Keep in mind, NTTA has 6.5 million customers, more than double the amount of text tag. You can explore our complete text tag troubles project right now on our website. Scan the QR code on your screen right now. 
We've also provided contact information for the lawmakers in our story. If you're experiencing text tag troubles yourself, just look for a link to this latest story in the continuing coverage section of that page. Your highways and roads in the state of Texas are definitely being used as guinea pigs. Self-driving 18-wheelers are on Texas highways, but are they safe? We asked experts if the AI technology is actually ready for the road. If you drive in Texas, chances are you've shared the interstate with self-driving 18-wheelers. TxDOT says the big rigs have backup drivers in the seats, but trucking companies plan to go completely driverless on some routes this year. Now TxDOT is rolling out the first-of-its-kind self-driving truck corridor in the Austin area. As investigator Mike Rush shows us, one Central Texas highway could serve as the template for smart road technology across the state and the nation. Noted for its fast speed limits and as a less congested alternative to I-35, State Highway 130 may soon be known as a trailblazer in self-driving truck technology. That's kind of the, like, the last frontier. The Texas Department of Transportation's Mike Ariano says a 21-mile stretch of 130 from Georgetown to Del Valle will become a smart freight corridor. The focus of the project, he says, is to install roadside technology along the highway self-driving vehicles can access to travel more safely. So they can have information about wrecks or people on the shoulder or there's a ladder in the lane in, you know, miles in advance. TxDOT says SH-130 is a good fit for this project for a couple of reasons. As a newer road, it's already designed with the infrastructure to support the technology but also because a lot of self-driving 18-wheelers already use this highway. We're pioneering a sharper vision for the future of trucking. Kodiak Robotics says it started operating them around Texas in 2019, but always with backup safety drivers, the hands here, near, but not on the wheel. In that time, the company says its trucks have driven two and a half million miles and delivered around 5,000 loads in Texas and other states. Aurora, also with people inside as backup, rolled out self-driving trucks in 2020. Now, with more than 30 in its fleet, the company says the trucks deliver for big names like FedEx and Uber Freight. Both trucking companies tell KXAN they plan to remove drivers on Dallas to Houston routes on Interstate 45 later this year. And both say their autonomous vehicle technologies don't require smart corridors to operate. Why do we need a smart road? Aviation is the best analogy, right? You know, you've got incredibly sophisticated aircraft, but they would never fly without an air traffic control function. Tyler Duvall is the CEO of the Washington, D.C.-based startup Cavenue, the company TxDOT hired to transform the section of SH-130. So we put poles, sensors, cameras, lots of technology up on the roadway, uh, backed by software uh, behind the roadway uh, to crank out all kinds of analytics and analysis around what's happening on the roadway. Real-time road conditions like weather changes, road hazards, and traffic, he says, communicated directly to the autonomous big rigs. If we're not a life-saving uh, support system for, for, for government and for, for drivers, then we've, we've failed. Last month, Cavenue launched a similar project in partnership with the state of Michigan. 
but testing driverless passenger vehicles in only dedicated lanes. Your highways and roads in the state of Texas are definitely being used as guinea pigs. Louis Pugh is with the owner-operator Independent Drivers Association. He says his group is not against technology in driverless vehicles and on roads, but he worries about the accuracy of the road information shared and believes the focus should stay on cars for now. Citing safety concerns and crashes involving cars with self-driving capabilities. It's probably good to make sure we get this stuff working right in a car before we put it to an 80,000 pound truck and turn it loose on the highway. National polls suggest the public would rather pump the brakes on driverless vehicles. According to the latest AAA survey, 68% of those questions say they're afraid of fully self-driving vehicles, a 13% jump from the year before. This isn't something that we're flipping the switch on tomorrow. Ariano says it will be a slow process, up and running by the end of the year, but not before the state, along with a team from UT as a third party, verify the accuracy of the information collected. If it's successful, we can start using this as a template and a standard to start scaling it to other roadways. Mike Rush, State of Texas. TxDOT also says it will use the smart corridor information to identify and clear road hazards more quickly. The hope is to eventually expand the service to any type of autonomous vehicle. Thank you again for joining us for State of Texas. I'm Josh Hinkle, and we'll be back next week to bring you an in-depth look at Texas politics.